The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. Follow-up today is with Amy Chin. She covers culture in Asia for the New York Times. She's based in Hong Kong. Amy, what's the greatest misconception Americans have about Asian culture? I think the first thing people usually say to me is, do you really eat dog? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) It's true. And they say this with a straight face? I mean, for some reason, that's maybe because... um, on the Desperate Housewives, Real Housewives of Orange County, one of those shows, uh, Lisa Vanderpump is a really big proponent of uh, advocate against dog meat eating, and she's sort of sent um, people to go to the dog meat festival in China. And anyway, it's become this sort of prevailing myth about Chinese people that I hear about from time to time. So how do you answer the question and educate whoever's asking? Uh, Actually, it's a very small minority of Chinese people who eat dog. And in fact, there is a huge movement against dog meat eating in China, especially as um, the country has become wealthier. And now people have, you know, pets in a way that they didn't before. They weren't able to afford it. So um, the the question, the answer is not really, though a, a, a small number do. Yeah. When did that change? I think that began to change in the 80s and 90s um, as people sort of started to become, you know, the middle class started growing. And before it was really only um, a tradition in the northeast of China and also in the south of China um, to eat dog meat. It's actually there. They see, you know, Chinese see um, every food as having some kind of properties of heat. So it's either a cooling food or a uh, a hot food, which it's not has nothing to do with the temperature of the food itself. This has to do with traditional Chinese medicine. It makes no sense to me. But for example, you know, something like dog is seen as very hot. Um, other things that might be hot, well, you know, spicy foods are also hot, but also, you know, random things like I can't remember, but some types of oranges are hot, whereas other types of oranges are cooling. And so um, the tradition, at least in southern China, is that on the summer solstice, the hottest day of the year, they eat dog meat, which is uh, seen as really hot, and then also lychees, which are seen as very hot as well, and it mm-hmm. kind of all cancels each other out, so it's, it's supposed to do something internally for you. Um, so I would say that this tradition still persists in some areas of China, but that um, generally, I think the way that society views dog meat eating has become, it's started to turn against it, especially with um, people, you know, international combination and whatever. So probably in the last 20 or 30 years, I think the views have really started to change. Do you find that Americans are becoming more educated about Asian culture? Yeah, I think that part of that is because um, you do see Asian Americans, you know, they're they're kind of becoming a more vocal force in the U.S. And, you even just recently with the movie Crazy Rich Asians, I think that you're starting to see Asian culture become um, more prominent in the mainstream American culture. And so it's easier to have a conversation that's not just about the kind of symbols of so-called Asian culture 
such as, you know, pandas, chopsticks, and dumplings. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's a lot more to it. And I think that they're starting, Americans are starting to see that there are different kinds of Asian culture. You know, it's really weird for me to be seen or called Asian American, even though that's one thing that I identify with, because just living out here in Asia, you kind of see how different <laughs> these cultures are um, between the different countries and even within one country, like Northern Chinese culture is very different from Southern Chinese culture. So uh, that's something, that's a nuance that I think that Americans are starting to appreciate. And you can see that, you know, one thing that's at the forefront of the, pushing that um, consciousness ahead is the a different food scene in, in the U.S., before, you know, Chinese food was really Panda Express or right. um, some place probably called like Dragon Palace or whatever that serves some generic Chinese food. But now you're starting to see, especially in places like New York or San Francisco or L.A., um, more differentiated kinds of Chinese food. You'll see stuff from the different provinces. And I think that that's helped, um, you know, increase the appreciation for Asian culture. Right. I've seen more Sichuan restaurants, more... Cantonese, and, and then oftentimes then I'll hear, well, this is a more authentic place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to knock AB, Asian American or Chinese American, American Chinese food like Panda Express. I think that that's really authentic in its own way. Um, but it's definitely nice to be able to see these different kinds of um, cuisines come out, come to the fore in uh, the U.S. Being Asian American, you, you talked about all the the different subsets of cultures just all within one country. And, and we should all I mean, really expect that there are since the, the country is massive. And just like being in the United States, culture in Oregon is a whole lot different than culture in Georgia. What, what aspects of, of Asian culture and, and around the country do you identify with the most? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I... My parents are, my father is from a province called Shanxi, which is where the terracotta warriors are. It's sort of um, kind of recognized as the, it was the imperial, that Shanxi was the home to the imperial capital of China for many dynasties. So it's sort of seen as like the cradle of Han civilization. And my mother is from, and it's north of the Yangtze River. My mother is from um, a more southern region called Sichuan. And it's famous for its spicy food, but also um, it's, uh, has a really unique culture in its own. Uh, I would say that I, just because I spent a lot of time going back, um, to visit my dad's family more than my mom's family when I was younger. And also because my dad is just a more domineering personality and sort of forced us to eat, uh, Northern kinds of foods, which the, one of the greatest distinctions between Northern Chinese culture and Southern Chinese culture is North of the river. They eat mostly noodles, um, and wheat based, foods and south of the river they eat rice-based foods so hmm. rice or like rice noodles so um at home we used to always eat noodles because my dad um kind of dictated the menu hmm. and i think that that that's one of the biggest it's one of the biggest uh challenges for me and you know i'm talking to you from singapore and this is a very southern chinese culture dominated place because of the um, history of the immigration here most of the chinese people who are in singapore came from southern china and it's definitely a big adjustment for me having lived in beijing for six years was that a pretty big adjustment for your mom um she yeah i mean i think that she's never really gotten used to the noodles um <laughs> she learned how to make dumplings just to make my dad happy <laughs> but never really ate it um 
so yeah, it's funny. My dad lives in Shanghai now, which is considered in Southern China. And I think he, he has such a hard time because, you know, the weather is really different. The food is like, it tends to be a little bit sweeter. Um, and in the North it's like vinegar and spice and, you know, it's, in my mind, it's better, but I'm, 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 you know, both my, my mom is trying, you know, has, uh, increased her appreciation for Northern culture. And I have done the same for Southern culture. I mean, it is pretty wild what, what food can do to educate anybody about a culture that, that isn't living there. Is there, is there something that's next that can teach us that would be also just as easy to pardon the pun digest for Americans? (laughs) Um, one, one study that came out recently, um, by done by my friend, I think it was, um, it made it into science or one of the big sort of nature science magazines. He did this really great study. It's called rice theory. Um, it basically, uh, differentiates, um, not Northern and Southern culture in China by, um, looking at how, um, people relate to each other based on what crop they grow. So in the nor- north of the river, you know, they tend to grow wheat. And wheat, I guess, is a much more sort of individual um, thing. And so uh, it, families just on their own will farm wheat. And they're less dependent on these, like, big networks of people. Whereas in the south, rice is a very communal um, kind of activity. It really requires um, a village or big families coming together to support each other. And so it affects the way that people in the north sort of see their themselves within this larger sort of network of people there I think they're much more sort of self-centered I don't mean that in the way of self-centered but like they're more centered on the self whereas um in the south they tend to have like more of a view of a a clan or like they tend to see themselves as just being one part of a much larger network of people and I think that's really interesting it really affects the way that they um uh see the world and I think he's trying to see if that applies in other countries as well. But it, so far, his study shows that it was a very strong correlation um, in China. That's really interesting to me. It is. Amy, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. This was fun. Among other topics over the past year, Amy has written about China and India being in competition for regional influence and leadership. China's own retirement Florida, as in the next 40 years, it's predicted that 400 million Chinese will be over 65 years old, tomb robbing for Chinese antiques, and how systemic fraud is preventing China from becoming a scientific superpower. There's always something to take away, and Amy's a good one to learn from, even if the Asian culture beat isn't one you've considered in the past. You can easily find all of Amy's work for the New York Times on her website, amychin.com. That's A-M-Y-Q-I-N.com. And follow her on Twitter at Amy Y. Chin. I'm at Noah Kozlov on Twitter and at Wawa Run on Instagram. It would mean a lot if you all subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or bookmark the follow-up page on vocalnow.com, V-O-K-A-L-Now.com. And if you can somehow spare 30 seconds in your day, click the five-star rating on iTunes. If you're listening on your phone right now, just scroll down and click five stars. I'll wait. And leave a quick review, something like, really enjoyable show, there's always something for someone here. I know you can do it. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L now
www.thepowerhouse.com.